being beginning Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 35 and we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities. And the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine and the oil, to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of God, of our God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Now, um, you all may not know this, but my wife and I, when we first got married, we had a few lean years, and we're coming up on our tenth in several months from now. But in, in the early years, we um, we were thankful that we lived a couple miles from a local Walmart and they had uh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts for $1.69 a pound in the big pack. <laughs> now, we liked that because it was inexpensive, but it was also pretty good food and we were trying to stay healthy and things like that. Um, and during that time, we were walking a lot. We were um, trying to take care of ourselves and do things diligently to respect the temple God had given us. And uh, every meal was chicken. You, you name it. Fried chicken, grilled chicken, chicken cordon bleu, chicken parmesan, uh, grilled chicken. Uh, chicken yeah, a lot of chicken alfredo. Um, grilled chicken breast. Uh, baked chicken breast. Everything I had for about a month was chicken. And uh, and one day my wife says, you know, let's switch it up. And she says to me, what do you want? And I said, anything but chicken. Anything but chicken. Exactly. That's what I said, anything but chicken. So she came out for supper and had some eggs. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, you know, those could have been chicken. But she made eggs. I said, that's still chicken. But she said, well, they're inexpensive and, and we like eggs and it's not the same. And so we still had chicken. <laughs> but it was a change from all the chewy stuff to the eggs. So I, I want to share that with you because sometimes in life you got to go with what you got. And sometimes what you got doesn't seem like a lot. Sometimes it seems like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel just to get to the best you got. Life can be that way. We were like that at that time. And yet, uh, my wife at that time was really trying to get me to um, be more faithful with our tithes and offerings. And, And I said, well, right now our income and our budget are exactly the same without the tithe. 
And I said, I'll see what we can do. And we weren't faithful. She kept pressing me on it. Several years later, I finally said, God, you know what? I'm tired of struggling. You get yours first. And you know, ever since then, we haven't struggled a bit. We haven't had to eat chicken all the time since then. <laughs> Actually, we've had uh, other kinds of stuff on the table since then. But you know, I still like chicken. Like chicken pockets. Good grilled chicken. I like, you know, rotisserie chicken. But if you ask me what I prefer, you know the answer. Anything but chicken. And that's not normal for a pastor to say that because they say fried chicken is supposed to be the minister's favorite food. Yep. Supposed to be, but I kind of got burnt out on chicken. Um, the reason I say all that is because at that time we were struggling. And the struggle took, in our mind, the first thing that went away was the tithe. And the tithe is a form of a first fruit. And I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about what a first fruit is. Some of you may have understood what a first fruit is and know all about that. But I'm going to give an overview as we go along so you'll understand a little better. In Nehemiah, the same book, in the chapter before, there's a, there's a situation going on where uh, Nehemiah, the governor of that area, uh, if you will, or king's right-hand man, uh, had come and seen that Jerusalem was all a shambles. And so he rebuilt the wall. This most people remember Nehemiah is the one rebuilding the wall in 52 days, and um, a lot of that talk is about that. And they find the book of the law, and Ezra reads the law, and they all want to follow the law. They hadn't followed the law in decades, if not centuries. And Nehemiah said, "We're going to follow the law." So let's gather everybody. Ezra reads the law, and in chapter nine, beginning at verse one, we have it for you on the screen. It says. On the 24th day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. They have heard the law that they have not been keeping and they start to repent. Now, listen to this. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners. And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Now this is important to notice this because they're, they're taking all the people who are not Israelites and, and moving them away and they're going to begin to confess their sins and their father's sins. Now, there's a couple reasons I think they did that. The first reason is, is because they wanted to confess to people who understood their history. Who understood that they are family, if you will. And the foreigners wouldn't understand if they said, well, we took children from the foreigners and God forgive us for that. Because God wanted them to be a clean and pure people. And so they would have confessed that. And I think the second reason is because that they wanted to do this as a nation. As a people. As one. As the nation that God called to be His people. And it says... Now, and y'all are going to appreciate what I say after this in verse 3. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. Uh, you can say that's six hours. And for another fourth of the day, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. That's another six hours. They're standing in worship 
praising God, listening to Ezra read the law for six hours. A lot of us are going, thank God we're only an hour and 15 here. <laughs> I don't blame it you for saying that because they, they weren't done. they just beginning. They heard the law and now they want to confess. They didn't just confess general stuff. First of all, they confessed the nation's sins. The priests confessed their sins. They confessed the sins of their fathers. And then they confessed their own. Now, if you have not confessed your sin ever, and you have to start from birth to today, do you think it's going to take a while? Just say yes. yes. <laughs> if you say no, I'm going to say please don't be in denial. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God and we do it regular. We can't even remember them all. Let alone the sins of omission, let alone the ones we have done. <laughs> but it's interesting because they're confessing, worshiping, and reading the law as part of a worship. Now, as they confess then, then Nehemiah confesses for the nation. And in verse 33 of that same chapter, he's still confessing, he says about God, you are just in all that has befallen us. For you have dealt faithfully, here's the confession, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests, nor our fathers have kept your law. Nobody has kept the law. Nor have they heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. So when they heard them, they realized they weren't doing them, so they needed to confess it. Makes sense. For they have not served you in their kingdom or in the many good things that you gave them, the blessings, the provisions, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Now listen to this. And now, here we are. Verse 37. We are servants today. Here we are. Servants today in the land that You gave to our fathers to possess as our inheritance, to eat its fruit and in its bounty, and we're servants. God gave them the land to be theirs. And here they are, serving foreign people. It's supposed to be their land. But because they turned from God, God couldn't give them the blessing because of their wickedness. They wouldn't follow God. And God said, i got to let you go your own way, but I can't protect you. So in your own homeland, you're now a slave. An indentured servant, if you will. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a servant to somebody else. I want to serve Jesus Christ and Him alone. And this is what he's basically saying in this confession. God is right in what He did because of the wickedness of everybody. From the priest to the kings to the princes, everybody. God was right. And He was just. And we're wicked. We don't hear that word much nowadays. Wicked. But it's true. 
And it says, because of the wickedness, servanthood comes upon us instead of possessing the land. And because of this, they realize this and they establish a covenant, which I read a part of to begin our service. And it's a covenant of first fruits. First fruits. <laughs> a covenant of first fruits. What are your first fruits? When we join the church, we make a couple of different things. We say, I will uh, support the church with my time, my tithes, my talents, my gifts, and my energies, my prayers. And, and some folks go, well, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Remember that one time I did? It says I, that, that the vows of membership, when we take those, means continually. <laughs> I will continue to support and work and pray and encourage and lift others up in the faith. Those things that we do are our first fruits if we do that first. In other words, when we get a harvest out of our garden, the first thing we pick is a first fruit. That's what it means. The first thing that comes up. The very first thing. So what are your first fruits? What are you harvesting in your life? Or where are you increasing? In Genesis chapter 1, we find something very interesting. And this is where the law of the first fruits begins. Now, this is a story of Cain and Abel. Y'all remember that story? It was a mess, wasn't it? Um, Cain was the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. And Abel was the secondborn son. And the Scripture tells us in Genesis 4, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In other words, one's a farmer, one's a rancher. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but He did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, before we go to the next verse, let me share this with you so you understand what's going on. Abel had flocks. The flock itself is his. But the first growth, increase of the possession that's in his hands is called the first fruit. The whole flock isn't the first fruit. That's what your possession is. It's when you get an increase. And when Abel got his first increase, he gave it to God. He said, it wasn't mine to begin with. It's a blessing from God. I give it back to God. And God respected that. Now Cain, harvesting his grain, working all, pulling it into the storehouse, and finally says, I'll take some and give it to God. He didn't take the very first of his labor and bring it directly to God. He took somewhere toward the end of the harvest and just brought some. And God said, you didn't respect the harvest. 
You didn't respect the increase. You didn't make that happen. I did. And Cain was upset with, get this, with his brother. This is how the law of first fruits works. If God is um, doing something and blessing somebody else and not you, you get mad at somebody else. It's not how it's supposed to work, but it's when your first fruit isn't holy, you begin to blame others for the lack of what you've done. Remember Adam, it was Eve's fault. Cain, it was Abel's fault. If he hadn't given that best offering, he would have accepted mine, so it's his fault. See, he's starting to blame his brother, and he's mad at his brother for what he didn't do for God. Doesn't make sense, does it? And so God says, why are you upset with Him? Why has your countenance with this great harvest fallen? And then He says the thing. I call it the thing. I like what He says. He says, if you do well, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it desires you. It's desires for you. But, you should rule over it. You catch that? If you do well, God will accept it. If you don't, and you allow sin to enter in, it's trying to run you. It's trying to destroy you. It's very clear in this verse. Sin's desire is to destroy you. It's to rule over you. And God says to Cain, you must rule over it. You see, you can't do two sins and think things are going to be better. Right? After all, He didn't provide the first of His offering, but somewhere toward the end of the harvest He gave some. So the first sin was He didn't give the best. Second one is now he's angry at Cain and wroth in his heart toward his brother, rather than turning to him and going, God, what can I do to be accepted in my offering? Let me make it right. Let me change so I'm honorable to you. And God says to him, just what I just read out of the next verse, if you'll put it up there, seven. He says, Is it on is it on there? That, the, is there another verse on there for us? Okay, I only went through six. That's right. Um, when he asks him to do what is right, he would be accepted. He doesn't say, okay, I'll do what's right. Do you know what happens a moment later, right? He kills his brother. Now here's, here's something really amazing. He kills his brother because he has God's favor. A lot of us aren't so concerned about God's favor to be upset that someone else has got it. But it should be that much of a great thing to know and to want and to desire in our lives, God's presence and favor in our lives. After all, if you remember, God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. So they know what God's all about, what it's like to have God's favor and His presence and His provision. And when His brother gets accepted and he does not, he understands that there's something bad going on. And so Cain, in a fit of jealousy, slays his brother. 
this is the law of the first fruits, that if your fruit is not your first fruit, sin enters in. It's hard to explain that in real terms and to put it out there without going to something really lengthy, but let me just say this. If your first fruits don't go to God, sin is allowed to enter in and rule over you. That's the simplest way I can say that. It has its desire for you. And it likes to take you. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, we find how to begin to be faithful. And it says, and he's talking about what we need to do with our lives. It shall be when we come into the land which God your Lord has given you as inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first, the first, of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket. Uh, however big a basket you need. And go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make His name abide. In other words, take it to your local temple or your local priest. They had the big temple in Jerusalem, but He said, well, the, at the time Jerusalem didn't have the big temple. They had it with Moses. But they had other communities out and about where priests were serving. And so he said, take it to the local one. Take it to your local storehouse. A lot of people, um, I don't know if you've heard stories about it, but they watch television evangelists and they go to their, their local church and they don't tie it to the local church, they send it to the television evangelist guy. And, and what uh, Moses instructed God and the Israelites is bring it to your local storehouse. And if they see sensible to send it elsewhere to do mission work and things like that, let them do that. But that's a part of the process. And so he goes on, and it's a, it's a basket with your first fruits, and then it says in verses 10 and 11 what to do with that basket. It says, uh, I brought the first fruits that you've given me, and you shall set this basket, it, before the Lord your God, and worship before the Lord your God. Now, listen to verse 11. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you in your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. Now, here's what I'm saying. We bring in the first one and say, God, thank you for the blessing. Thank you. This is a thank you gift for what you've received. My wife used to tell me, you give the first 10%, not 10% of what's left over. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people do that, right? They, they pay all their bills, they got like 20 bucks, let's see, 10%, okay, that's two bucks, God gives two bucks. That's how they do it. And, and my wife says, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> you do it the other way around. You start with the 10% and then let your thankfulness be that way. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people hear this and they go, but you don't understand how tight it is. I ate chicken for three months. I understand how tight it is. And eggs when chicken wasn't affordable. <laughs> I do understand how tight it can get. It's not always fun. But I've got to ask you this question if you're of that mindset. Do you think that the first fruits which God has asked of you belong to you? Are they yours? Good question, isn't it? And God says, I've asked you to bring them in, and if you belong to me, it's your way of saying you understand that it's mine.
So what is a first fruit for us? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we hear what a first fruit is. It says, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus is the first fruit. And in the next verse he says, now let me flip there. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. In his own order. Hear this. Christ the firstfruits. Now, that's not Christ, comma, the firstfruits. Christ is the firstfruits. Mm-hmm. And afterward, those who are at uh, Christ's at His coming. These are how things work. Now, a lot of folks go, do uh, you, you mean to say we're all going to be asleep until Jesus comes again or some resurrected already? I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm talking about is the first fruits. And that Jesus Christ is the first one resurrected from the dead almost 2,000 years ago. That's when the first fruits was. <laughs> We can't be first fruits. Jesus is. He's the first one to resurrect from the dead. Now you say, wait a minute. Why is he um, considered the first fruit? Um, because of this. That God's Son, who was given and died to redeem the world, is the first fruit of the new kingdom. His death was the seed by which the kingdom would be grown. And so when Christ resurrected, He was the first one alive in that kingdom, resurrected from the dead. And anybody else, hear this, anybody else who will be in that kingdom must be resurrected from the dead. Which is why Lazarus' graveside, He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though you may die, yet you shall live. And if you ever live and believe in Me, He who lives shall never die. We are part of the resurrection. We are a part of the new kingdom. If we're not a part of the resurrection, we're not a part of the kingdom. That makes sense? So He's the first fruits. And it says in Romans chapter 8 that you and I are the first fruits. I want to share these verses with you. It says, We know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. This is Romans 8, 22 and 23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So the first fruits for us is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about the first fruits like resurrection and first fruits, Holy Spirit. The first fruits means it's the first gift, the first promise of God that He pours out when you're in His kingdom. He gives you the Holy Spirit. It is the first fruits evidence that you belong to Jesus Christ. God gives you His Spirit. So that's the first fruit. And you and I are first fruits. With the Holy Spirit within us. We have that. Uh, 
on first fruits, there's a test to tell if you understand it. And it's kind of like this. We give to the measure which, which we have truly received. If I truly believe that my gift, whatever increase, not what I have, but the increase that I have is from God, and I know it's directly to me from God by His provision, I'm thankful. Thank you, God. And I want to give back to God to say thank you. And so I give Him something first. Because He's the one who gave it to me. They used to do this test with us in high school. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but they said, if I give you $100, will you give me $10 back right now? Uh, we all went, yes. He said, okay. What about I just withhold it from the $100? I just give you 90 Would that be alright? And they said, well, if you're going to give us 90 that's okay. It's the same deal, right? But you understand the difference, don't you? If God withholds the 10%, rather than us giving it, it's not the same. Because it comes from an attitude of gratitude. Not from a I never saw it, so I don't miss it kind of thing. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. And litmus test is to know what is and is not first fruits. And <laughs> there's a time, uh, a friend of mine named Jack Frick is evangelist. He preached a revival one time. And he was talking about as a kid. Uh, Jack was in quite old in the 90s. <coughs> As a kid during the Depression, he talked about the Depression years, how it was really lean years. And he said it was a dead of winter, and Jack's father was the minister at the local church. And one day, 30 below zero, comes someone trudging up, knocking on the door, and offers our family, his family, some pig livers. I've never eaten pig livers. I don't even know if they're any good. But I, I will say this, that Jack said they're, they're probably the roughest thing you'll ever have, but if you don't have anything, it's better than nothing, but not much. And, and they said to, the, to Jack's father, we wanted to bless your family with these pig livers. Now, the people who brought them were farmers with lots of pigs. And they brought them pig livers. And... Uh, being a curious sort, Jack Stanson, well, why did you bring us pig livers? And he said, well, it's 30 below, so we can't bury him. And we tried to give it to the dog, and he wouldn't eat them. Too nice. <laughs> so we're giving them to you. Pig livers. That was the best they could do to feed a family in a depression and their farmers with thousands of hogs to get pig livers. It's what's left over from the pig that nobody wants. Not even a dog. And they can't get their kid to bury him. <laughs> so let's give them to God. Let's throw them into the hands of God and see what He can do with them. That's kind of backwards of first fruits, isn't it? That's not. That's not. Holy mindset of trying to get God to accept the offering. <laughs> I, I got to tell on myself, this is funny. Uh, I bought this ice cream one time, and it was sugar-free, and I thought the flavor would be really good. I took a bite, and I said, oh, this is horrible. 
So I took it to my wife and I said, look what I got you. <laughs> and she goes, really? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, there's some out of it. And I said, well, I tried it first, right? You get the story already, don't you? I tried it first. And, uh, and I didn't like it. There you go. And she looked at me and said, so you're saying you're giving me stuff you don't like instead of stuff I like. Instead of stuff I want, you're giving me stuff you don't want. And she said the funniest statement. She said, I don't call that love. <laughs> That's kind of like what Jack Frick's dad would have said to those people with the pig livers. I don't call that love. I don't call that a gift. I call it you couldn't bury it. And a dog wouldn't eat it. So you're trying to tell God how wonderful you are. <laughs> That's not first fruits, okay? We had another opportunity this year here at the church, I guess at the church, during a service um, where first fruits kind of got messed up. But I learned. I think we all learned from this. Labor Day at the park. Going into Labor Day, this is, this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek story, but it's absolutely the truth. Going into the service, we knew that the food wouldn't be ready in Mayfield until about 12.30. And we figured 12.30 to about 1 o'clock, we'd have dinner about 1 o'clock, maybe 1.15 at the latest on the grounds, right? Y'all might remember this story. Well, if you all came, you know I showed up at about a minute till 11. And then set everything up, and we started the service about 20 after 11. People are probably thinking he's late. No, I'm trying to start it late because we've got to run it late. Because we're waiting on the chicken. <laughs> right? So, so we have this service that goes on and on. And I had a lot of materials because I knew I needed a lot. And it's probably the longest sermon I'll ever preach and I'll never do again. And people are going... Oh, I'm just hungry. And, and I'm going, I know people are hungry, but I just got to go and keep because the chicken's not here yet. And so at 1 o'clock, uh, shortly thereafter, we end the service with communion, which people are going, at least got something to eat. <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and the chicken's still not there. Y'all remember this because it's only been a month ago. <laughs> and, uh, and the chicken didn't get there for another 30 minutes because the store had messed it up. But we waited on the chicken. And we didn't get much chicken. It wasn't enough. They had shorted our order, right? And here's what I said. I said, God, You feed us not chicken. The chicken isn't what feeds us. If there's enough food on the table, you'll bless it and make it more. You did it with five loaves of bread and two fish. You don't need chicken to feed people, God. And so here's what I said, and this is how the sermon title came about. I said, I'm never delaying or extending a service or delaying a lunch waiting on chicken. Anything but chicken. I'll delay it if God says so. But if the food's not there, I believe God can provide. Amen? And He did. We had lamb. A lot of lamb. And ham. We had plenty of food. People could have eaten their fill. But here's the sad thing about it, and this is what broke my heart, is while we were waiting on the chicken, a lot of people had to leave. And they didn't get to eat. They didn't get to share. 
the dish, their first fruit dish, with the house of God. They didn't get to do it. And that broke my heart. And I said, God, when people want to give, let's just receive and let's give thanks and be joyful for what we do have, not what we don't. And give out of what God has given rather than complain about what we don't have. And I said, this is a lesson well learned. I hope our church embraces it in our lives because that was a common, shall we say, experience for all of us. Chicken is not the first fruits of a meal honoring God, is what I'm trying to tell you. God feeds us. He's the one. So in Nehemiah 10, we go back to where we started. And what they're going to do. This is a covenant they've made to keep the law, which they haven't done for centuries. I'm going to let you hear this. It says, we made ordinances, like a law, like a rule, to bring the first fruits of our ground, all that we plant, the first fruits of all the fruit of all the trees. Now we got the trees. Year by year, once a year, to the house of the Lord, to bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God. We'll bring it directly to the priests who care for those things. We'll bring the first fruits of our dough, our bread, our offerings, the fruit, the new wine, the oil to the priests, to the storeroom of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, that they would receive a tithe in all the farming communities. Those are the ones in the outlying cities. And the priests of the son of Aaron shall be with them when the Levites receive the tithes, and then the Levites will bring a tenth of what they've received to the house of God to send to the house of God's storehouse. For the children of Israel, and this is what I want you to hear, and the children of of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine and the oil, and this is their job, to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, who are worshiping God. And that's their job. Now, they're saying that the children of Israel and the children of Levi will bring these offerings because you need that many people to bring what would be 10%. You need that many people to bring that amount all the way there. One person can't do the job. And here's what he says at the last several words. We will not neglect the house of our God. Where are your first fruits? We talk about God being priority. We want God's blessing. We want to be prosperous. When I worked on this message this week, God said, you know, you do alright with your tithe, but you got some other first fruits you're not giving. There's some stuff that, you know, first thought of your day. Should be the first fruit to me, not like my some hair down the line type thought. Your thought life, he told me. The first thoughts, the first desire of my heart to say, God, I love you. 
Thank You for this life. Thank You for my family. God, I, I, I bring it back to You again every day. Here's what's interesting. We talk about something called an A game. You ever heard that? A game means when you're competing, you bring your very best. Because you want to win. Don't bring your B game. Don't bring your C game, your D game. Bring your best, your A game, your number one. When you're sick, you don't want third aid or second aid or, or 25th aid. You want first aid. You go to the emergency room, you don't want trauma care, you want care right now. You don't want to be triaged, you want to be seen. That's why you went there. You go to the doctor's office and wait and get upset because you want to be seen. You want to be first. And God is saying, with me, where is your A game? Where is what matters to you being put first? I went through a tragic loss by my own 